I'm Father Mitch Pacwa, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from around the world. Tonight, we want to talk about the power of forgiveness with a special guest who, through God's grace and mercy and the kindness of other Christians, survived the 1994 Rwandan genocide. Take a look at this little clip. I was born in Rwanda and the genocide happened in 1994. I grew up in this village where people loved each other. We knew there were problems between tribes. My father came to me, he handed me the rosary he had, and he asked me to go to hide. And I remember when I go to this room, I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? This is too small, really small. I remember there was a little shower and a toilet, small, but no sink. As I was complaining, he came back with five more women. I didn't know they were there. Was for us, they gave order to start searching every home to see if there was anyone of my tribe to see who were hiding. I will never forget, it didn't take too long. I was stretching. I saw this huge group passing through the window quietly. I didn't expect it. They would come quietly so no one can jump and run. That was it. My life is over. And then one of the killers said, you know what? There's no one here, but you remember, we'll come back. I found out that everyone in my family had been killed. I went to visit the prison to meet someone who killed my family because I wanted to see how I felt. And then I, I told him, like, you know, I, I have no anger towards you. I told the, the, the man who killed. And if I can forgive in my situation, anyone can forgive. And there is so much freedom, so much joy. Please welcome the host of a brand new EWTN ongoing series on forgiveness, Immaculate Ilibagiza. Immaculate, welcome back. Thank it's you, good sir. to have you on the show Thank again. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hope everything is going well for you. Yes, everything is going well. I good. thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that you've done is start this series that we showed some clips from the first episode yes. which where you tell your story mm. about what it was like to survive the Rwandan genocide mm. of Rwandan against Rwandan mm. and we've talked about that before yes. but you also talk about again as you've done so well over the years the forgiveness that you have to work through yourself. Yes. Do you have any further reflections on that before we talk about the rest of the series? Yes, yeah, thank you again for having me. You know, any time I think about it today, it is as if it, is, it was yesterday. But it's not about necessarily the horror that happened and the suffering, but the grace of God, the forgiveness that really happened to my heart, which happened through the prayer I used to say the rosary, to pray the rosary during the genocide. And anytime I would go through the sorrowful mysteries, I would watch our Lord, you went through that for me? How did you accept that? How can you do that? And then you forgive them? You have nails in your body, and yet you forgive people? So it was really through that journey that led me to forgive, to realize that people are doing what they're doing, they don't know what they're doing. Just like you, they killed our Lord, you don't know what you do when you kill a child. 
when you cause this much pain to another person, you can't even really put yourself in their, in their heart to see what you're causing them. So the transformation happened through prayer. We've, you know, it took time. It was a lot of thinking and begging God. But when it happened, it felt like freedom. It mm -hmm. felt like I can live my life. And I really wished, I still remember during the genocide, writing to God. And I said, I wish I can find people I can tell them about you, how you can change from this bitterness I was feeling to freedom, to peace, because of forgiveness. The simple things our Lord tells us in the Bible, forgive, pray for your enemies. How many times to forgive? 70, 70 times. All this is so good and so real because I felt the effect in my soul and in my life today. If I have not forgiven, I would not be here today. I would have been killed or lived a really terrible life because yeah. anger was terrible. See, well, that's one of the th realities mm -hmm. is that you know, anger is understandable. Yeah. And your whole family was killed. Yeah. Just wiped out. This is, and, and of course, anger is the, the, uh, a normal response, not necessarily always so bad mm -hmm. because anger can motivate you to run away from danger. Yeah. Or it can help motivate you to protect yourself mm -hmm. from danger if it's possible. That wasn't possible in the massacres no, in Rwanda. That not was at not all. possible. Not at all. We, for three months, we were in three by four feet with seven women. We were eight of us. You knew what was happening. And I had time to work through that. What can I do now? And I realized it's just pray. I can't move from here. There's nowhere to hide. So all this anger was just eating me with questions like, how can this be? Well, it's happening. This is unfair. Yes, it is unfair. That's what evil does. But what can you, how can you live with this now? And I couldn't get there until it was through prayer, just asking and trying to be sincere to God, praying our Lord's prayer, our Father, asking Him questions. Are you the father of the body guys too? You can't be. Right, you right. Know, it, so it was a struggle to want to be sincere. It was my Catholic faith that led me, the prayer of the rosary that led me to forgive. I would never have been able to understand it. I would never have been able to go there. But then when I went there, I realized it is possible for everyone. I'm so grateful for this series because people are hurting and everyone yes. there we, we hurt each other willingly or unwillingly, but we also learn from one another. And I'm so grateful God have left me so that I can share my story with others and, and the wisdom I learned through that. One, uh, I'd like to talk about there, there in this first part of the series, mm -hmm. there are more coming. Yes. But yes. in the first part of the series that we already have available, uh, people are dealing with a variety of serious problems. Yes. Uh, you have one couple who's dealing with coming from alcoholic families, becoming alcoholics, harming each other. Yeah. You also have a young woman who had a promiscuous life. Uh, her family was had fallen apart. She's dealing with three abortions, drug abuse, yeah. living on the street. And then the third person is a mother yeah. whose daughter was murdered at the Sandy Hook school mm -hmm. massacre. Mm -hmm. 
I'd like you to talk a little bit about they, these are very different yeah. experiences, very yeah. different people. Yes. But the constant is their faith. Talk about the, the first couple, mm -hmm. the, 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 the couple who was dealing with their alcoholism. Yes. Tell us a little bit about them. Yes, you know, it was really shocking and, and not shocking really, but in a bad way because the journey of everyone who is forgiving first is hurt, dealing with emotions, and then being able to let go. So it was just shocking in a good way to find out their journey, but also be to see that I, I can see that, I see what you went through, but to see how they have hurt each other, it was, it's a couple where you can, can feel, what are you doing with each other? I mean, with the world we live in today, you can't forgive. Just go away from each other. But you see how they are. They're such a power couple that speak about their pain now very openly. And also the tools they have used. But also, again, it's the tools we all can use. They, they had to deal, each of them had to deal with their own alcoholism. Yes. They, they each had to go through... Alcoholics Anonymous and can know God yes. and deal with that. But then they also had to deal with each other. There was a lot of hurt yes. between them as a couple. As a couple. So they had to forgive each other. They had to, yeah, they have hurt a lot each other. I mean, to, to see them explaining the situation is, is way much better. But they have hurt each other. But they came again to speak about that. They dealt with alcohol. You know, they went mm -hmm. to the anonymous, alcoholic anonymous. The tools they learned there to forgive themselves, to forgive their family, and then to come to, to keep their couple together. Their family is still there with all the pain they are now using to help other people understand that they can actually save their family. Yeah, they've become part of a ministry known as Retrovi. Yes, yeah, they do. And they, they, they really live out and... Yes teach others that no family is beyond repair, yes. but you have to work at it. To work at it. And that was the most beautiful thing, just to see that they, they, they still talk to each other, even during the time we're just chatting. They're like, hey, don't you remember that? You know, do you know this? What are you doing? So it's a normal couple that they just have come really to love each other, to protect each other, but to also understand their vulnerability and also they share those voices of the devil that tempt them, do that, go hurt. And I went through that, you know, during the time of the bathroom when mm -hmm. I, I remember feeling the, the voice telling me, open the door, end the torture. And I wanted literally kind of commit suicide. And then you see the other side of it, that nice voice that is encouraging you, don't do that, don't do that. Ask God to help you, God can do all things. And then, so I saw that a lot in that couple, but to see them now helping other couples because people hurt from different reasons, different, you know, situations, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing when you come to forgive, there is something that is saved, families are saved, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's a powerful thing that their mutual forgiveness has helped them to go out to help others do that. Yes. The, the, the second woman I'd like to deal with is a lady. Her own family was falling apart mm -hmm. and rejecting her. Yes. And she, you know, fell in love with the young man, but didn't want to have his babies. Yes. 
Yeah, talk talk about her. Yeah, she bit. speaks also about you know we, we we talked and how she had abortion, how she didn't want to have children, and went even to help other people to have abortion. She and worked she for worked Planned for par Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, mm -hmm. and how her values you know were not in the right place and before, and uh, to to see how the changes happen through actually somebody who told her that she felt like she wanted to pray for her. So slowly she went back to church and, and she discovered that she can forgive herself, but also the wrong she was doing. There's a lot of lessons you learn. But what I loved about her is that I feel like many young women, many women who have maybe had abortion can find themselves in her story, but also to see that you, it's never too late. You can start all over, you can apologize to God, you can start your life all over and learn from your mistakes. One of the things that struck me about her is that, because uh, she had three abortions, mm -hmm. and this caused her a lot of pain. She was deceiving her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Twice he didn't know that he'd even been a father. Mm -hmm. yes. And one of the, the, the two things that I, I saw in her story is she tried to drown that, you know, Maybe. guilt, disappointment, deception. She, because mm. uh, she says, a man has no say. Yes. It's all the say of the woman. And the man has nothing to say about his own child. Yeah. And she felt bad, but she also would uh, drown that with drugs. Mm. And it was killing her. The other thing about her is that when she worked for Planned Parenthood, she was helping. One of the things she had to do was make sure they got all the baby parts. Yeah. She had to f make sure that they all came out because it would cause an infection. Yes. Yeah. And she saw that abortion was a lie because mm. she could see the fingerprints on the hand of the baby. And when she saw the face, mm. you know, so she had to confront the reality, the harsh reality of abortion, that this is not just a bunch of cells, that's a little baby. It's and, a she, little bit, yes. and she had to confront that and that was tough. Yes, it was very tough. I mean, she came around that now she have actually a show. She speaks and, and she helps women to realize that that's a killing a baby. Yeah. So she, she's really doing, she's saving thousands of babies now. And also I loved how she spoke about where she got the idea that it was okay. It was people from parenthood who went to teach in her school, yes. telling them that yes. women, you have the power, you can do whatever you want on your body. And that got into her mind and that's how she ended up having abortions because she felt it's my body. Yeah, you know? and, yeah and, and at the same time, totally disregarding the other half, the other half of, of that life. child, namely the father's yes, half. Yes, yeah, you know, I loved the story, how she came to forgive herself, to apologize also to her husband, you know, mm -hmm. to, to her family, to God. So the whole journey, how she went through that in a very gentle way. Again, what I have seen also is that women who have had abortion is very traumatic for them, even those who have changed, who have converted. So I think she's such a good example to yes. people 
to teach them, look, I was able to change my mind. I was able to see the wrong I have done and I was doing. Thank God she went all the way, so she was able to see what they were doing, actually. And she changed. But she speaks about it in a very sweet way that she helps people to understand. It is wrong, but you can also come to peace with that. And she also, uh, she found two kind of Christians. Mm. One group said, yes. what you did is so terrible, you can't be forgiven. Yes. That was a horrible thing. Yes, yeah. oh, and not, yes. a, not the truth of our faith, but all. it was the harshness of that person. Yes. And then she also came across a waitress. Yeah, a young waitress that oh, she was crying voice. on a curb. She was homeless, yeah. drug-addled, mm. and just crying. Tell about that that yeah. waitress coming out to her. That really, yeah, that definitely yeah, touched my heart too, to see how God uses so many people, so many situations. Like, again, sometimes it's a show you watch, and maybe you, you were going to do something terrible, and then you change. So she had become homeless. She was taking drugs. She just was hopeless. And I think it was all the pain she had realized she had caused mm -hmm. herself to mm -hmm. her husband. You know, all the lies she had believed because now she was, she was leaving the work. She had left the work of parenthood. And then a woman came from a restaurant and just ran to her and just said, I want you to know that God loves you. And, and she, she said, who is this? So from that, that's how she started slowly to go back to God, to go back to church. And of course, it took a lot, a lot of journey to be able to get there. But finally, God was looking for her. God exactly. is never, he, he, he never let us go. He never leave us alone, no matter how yeah, deep we are. And it turned out that her own mother, who had gone Often to the New Age movement, she had come back. She had come back. She had been praying for her daughter. That's so true. Yes. And she I mean, saw right. that that young waitress that came out and hugged her and said, "Jesus loves you." Yeah. That was the answer of the mother's prayers. The mother. That all this was part of the Lord yes. bringing healing and reconciliation. Yes, I really encourage people to pray for one another, to truly pray yes. for one another, because there is such a power in prayer. You know, and there's no prayer that is wasted. You pray for somebody, you might not see how things will work out, but soon or later, prayers always bear fruits. One of the very painful ones to watch was of Jennifer Hubbard, whose daughter Catherine was shot at the Sandy Hook yes. Elementary School. Let's yes. take a quick look yes. at a, a clip. In this episode, we share the story of Jennifer Hubbard. Her daughter, Catherine, was one of 20 children and six adults killed during a mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Here is her journey to forgiveness. I am a mom of two. We moved to Newtown because Newtown had a great school district. It was 2012, Catherine was six. She had just started first grade. The phone call came in and it was a friend of mine and she called and she said something's happened at the school. Um, I think we should get down there. And we do have the breaking news of a shooting at an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut. I walked into the firehouse and I saw Freddie. His first response to me was, I can't find Catherine. Catherine wasn't coming back. 10 o'clock at night at the grocery store and I laid into God. I was angry. It ended with, and you could have stopped this and you didn't.
Forgiveness, I truly believe, is this beautiful posture of releasing. I am so sensitive to forgiving. I forgive the man who killed my daughter. God has reached down into moments of frustration and disappointment and, and feeling overwhelmed and shown his mighty glory. It's, uh, uh, that's a very complicated situation too, mm -hmm. but one, what, what struck me about her is that even before her daughter was killed, mm -hmm. she had started praying a little bit more, mm -hmm. a few minutes a day, five minutes mm -hmm. of studying scripture, just praying over a Bible passage. Mm -hmm. And then after the tragedy, that prayer lengthened and deepened and then she could deal with grappling with God mm -hmm. and her anger was towards God. Yeah. Yeah. But she could take it to God himself because mm -hmm. she already began to be in a relationship with him. Yes, she was angry at the man who killed her, her child, obviously, and angry with God. How can this be? Which she had to forgive God, forgive the man who killed her, her child, mm -hmm. and also to see how God prepared her. And I truly believe every one of us, whatever tragedy we may be go through, if we pay attention, we can go back a little bit and see how God tried to protect you. or prepared you for the cross that was coming. Yeah. I have an aunt who they killed her three children in front of her. She told me that she had a dream like a few weeks before the genocide in Rwanda, and she saw a cross of our Lord coming from far away from, from the sky, and it came right in front of her. And she never forgot that cross until the, two weeks later the genocide started, and I mean, she lost 99% like, like all of us. So. God has a way to protect us if we pay attention, and who also we trust that will take us through this journey if we hold on to Him. That, uh, this is something that came across throughout this series. A number of people had been praying, mm -hmm. and they'd been praying in, in various ways, or somebody was praying for them, mm -hmm. and it's that ongoing prayer, just making a habit of it, mm -hmm. made them sensitive to God after the crisis came. Mm -hmm. This, uh, th that was especially tr true with Mrs. Hubbard, mm -hmm. that she, you know, was prepared for it, but she became more sensitive. The young waitress that came out mm -hmm. to the girl crying on a, the, the curb, she, she was a prayerful Christian mm -hmm. who was sensitive to God. Yeah. And that sensitivity, you know, and you praying while you're hiding in the bathroom for mm -hmm. months. Everybody had a little bit of sensitivity to prayer that opened them up for something more. Yes. This is a common part of it. It really is. <coughs> and it shows you that in our troubles, God is there. Recently, somebody asked me a question, which kind of God did you meet when you were hiding for your life? I'm like, the God who could sit with you in the bathroom. 
You know, I knew that God is there when everything is going well. When you are receiving a diploma, there's a party in the house. When everything is at peace, no one is sick, God was there. But I discovered a God who is closer to the brokenhearted, as the Bible tells us. The God who, who prepares you for a tragedy. The God who gives you strength during that tragedy. That we never have a chance, I mean, we never have a reason to give up, really, as long as we can just be with him. True prayer. So I encourage people so much, listen to these stories, you realize that you are not alone in whatever you go through, because mm -hmm. everybody has a cross to bear. Everyone have gone through something. Somebody have offended you. But if you hold them to prayer, there is this, like you say, a sensitiveness where just like an invisible hand is guiding you. Pray a little bit more, and then pieces will come together. A stranger will come to you and give you the information you needed. Or something will come into your heart. I remember when I was hiding, I told the man who was hiding us, I just felt in my heart, tell the man to put the wardrobe in front of the door. And I said, what am I feeling? But it just felt so natural. And I said, please put the wardrobe in front of the door of the bathroom. The next time they came to search, they went right inside the wardrobe. So the first time they reached at the door, another group that came now went inside the wardrobe. So they could have come and open the door the next time if they have not put this, this wardrobe. So God has a way that he really, he, he speaks to us mm -hmm. and also give us peace, even when it, it means that our life will come to an end. I will never forget also, there's a letter my brother wrote to me the day before he was killed. And he told me, he said, in the letter, he was always worried, scared to die. But his, the man who was hiding him, he said, he was praying all this month and a half. And he, he would tell me, I think my time have come. So the day before they killed him, he wrote to me and he said, if I die, do not worry, I will go to heaven. So there is this God, and the next day he died. There is this God who lives with us, who is so close to people when they suffer. Don't run away from him, pray more, go to church. Even if you're angry, speak to him in your anger, but don't go away from him. You will see his hand. Yeah, it, it's the kind of situation where mm -hmm. sometimes weekly going to Mass on mm -hmm. Sunday or daily if you can, yes. daily prayer seems like, well, I'm just sort of doing this. Mm -hmm. But you don't always understand how that is preparing you yes. for these events that happen because life is not regular. Life is yeah. hard. It's hard. It's hard. So true. And there are surprise events that you cannot predict, you just can't. And so you have, to, but if you have this regular kind of prayer, you have a disposition mm. that gets you ready. I can then deal with the crisis. Yes. And that's, whereas without that preparation, you'll miss it. It's, and it is hell. Without the grace of God, there is hell. I mean, I still remember during that time of the genocide, which of course I understood through this series I was doing. I'm like, you lived your hell too. You, you, you get it. There is hell. There's pain in this world. I remember the beginning of the genocide, the pain I was feeling, especially before I gave myself into prayer. Because when I was praying, there was a force that was almost sheltering my heart from breaking fully. And the situation was getting worse. But the more I prayed the rosary, the more I felt like there's like a shield on, over my heart. 
So in the beginning, I remember thinking, God, I know now hell is real because I can feel this. And it came from nowhere. We, I still remember with my family having dinner at night. We are talking, we are laughing. The next morning, it was over. Life was over. It was never going to be the same. So it taught me also to stand ready always. But really, again, the importance of the grace of God that comes from prayer, that comes from the sacrament, the masses. One, one of the things you talk about mm. in prayer, especially Our Lady's Seven Sorrows, the yes. Rosary of the Seven Sorrows, yes. oh. is Our Lady invited you to be where she was, to be with her in her suffering. Yes. Talk a little bit about that too. You know, Our Lady of Kibeho, there's a shrine of Our Lady of Kibeho, accepted already by the Vatican. and. Um, so the apparitions happened when I was young. I grew up with these apparitions. And one of the, among the three kids who had been already approved, her whole mission was to teach people the Seven Sorrows Rosary. And Our Lady said it was already known, but people have forgotten about it, at least many people, because right. you meet some who still say that. Mm -hmm. And she said she wanted the whole world to know about that. But now it is now that I think about it, I'm like, Ah, no wonder why Our Lady had to choose Rwanda that 12 years later was going to go through a genocide and with suffering that is, I, I can't put in words. I mean, the, those who died, sometimes we felt in Rwanda they were better off because mm -hmm. this, to survive that, to live through that, a war is a terrible thing. Yeah. I do not wish anyone to go through war is a terrible thing. So a lot of suffering in so many ways. So anyway, so to see Our Lady teaching that, it was so appropriate for us especially who remained, to be able to accept our suffering. So the genius in this prayer of the seven sorrows, Our Lady herself spoke to the Marie Claire, the visionary, and she said, on her seven sorrows, every sorrow, pull yourself in my shoes. Ask yourself what it was me. What would I feel if my child was lost? What would I feel if the king of the country was looking for me to kill me? And all that, you can't put yourself there unless you can compare your pain somewhere you think about what you're going through, what you have gone through. Mm -hmm. And the more you open up to God in your thoughts, in your meditation, the more you heal. I, I wrote my latest book called A Blessing in Disguise, and it is about the seven sorrows, the seven sorrows rosary. But that rosary, you pray it crying, but at the end you feel a relief. Because you can't go through the, the crucifixion of our Lord to think about what he went through. Yeah. And it still just get me to this day. The sixth sorrow of the, the, the sorrows is when Our Lady received the body of our Lord in her hands. And in her own words, in the Kibeho, she, she said, when I was able to hold him in my hands, it was then I was able to see close what they have done to his body. They have torn his body. And wondered how she, he was able to carry the cross over his, his shoulders that were wounded. Mm -hmm. And that always take me back when I, after the genocide, I had to go to find the bodies of my family where yeah. they killed them. And there's some suffering you don't even know how to speak to the world, to even another friend, yeah. to see the bones of my brother. And I can recognize him because I see the, the teeth. It's a sorrow that they don't know how to put in words. And with that, anytime I go through the seven sorrows, I see our lady receiving the body of our Lord. It is a chance for me to tell her, you get it. You understand it. Exactly. So it is such a healing sorrows, seven sorrows rosary. It is such a healing rosary, especially people who are dealing with anger. Because when you're angry, there's some way you think you're holding justice. 
It's not fair. How can this be? But anytime you go through the mother of God, meeting her son on the way to the cross through that rosary, and you think, she's the purest, I'm a sinner. She have known every pain. Who am I to think I can't go through injustice? So little by little, you open up your own pain, and after time, you feel like you're like a child, like somebody have healed you, like put oil, you know, like on, on your wounds. It yeah. is, it's a beautiful prayer. Yeah. Thank you. That's, mm. that's a powerful thing. Mm. Again, we want to encourage you to watch this new series, I Forgive. It's with Immaculate Ili Bagiza. You can see it anytime with EWTN On Demand. Uh, to do that, all I have to do is go to ondemand.ewtn.com. Ondemand.ewtn.com. And you can go to also and get the EWTN app for your phone or computer and look for it there as well. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back with some of your questions and comments. So please stay with us. forgot to mention too that this series is available on uh, DVD. Uh, you can get this. It's I Forgive with Immaculate Ilibagiza. And you can get it from EWTNRC.com, our religious catalog, where it is item number H-D-I-F-I-L. So H-D for high depth. And then I-F- I-L. Um, okay? So, yeah, it's, it's well worth having, especially if you're going through difficulties. Are you ready for some questions? Yes, I am. Let's yes. start off with Patricia in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Patricia, what can we do for you today? Yesterday, I heard you taking my call. Oh, pleasure. How can you forgive someone who lies to your face. Mm-hmm. She, uh, my son had a stroke with an intensive care, and this girl keeps going to see him every day and lying to him every day. And she wants to marry him. She lied already and took him unbeknown to us to get a marriage license. And now she's lying to him every day and wants to marry him while she's still in the house. How do I deal with someone who lies to me every single day? Patricia, that's a very important question. Thank you. You. What I would say, you see, I remember the time when I was very angry, and I, I, I would tell God almost like that. But 
how? Don't you see they're still trying to kill me? Don't you see they, they, they still want to hold me? Don't you see they already have killed my mom, my dad? How can I forgive them? But I felt my heart, God was calling me just to the simple respect of his commandment. Forgive. Forgive them as, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm -hmm. And when I couldn't understand, I just put in the hands of God and begged him, help me out. Yeah. There's a time when the emotion is very strong, but put it in the hands of God and pray. Because forgiveness doesn't mean that you change the other person. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the other person even becomes better. He can still continue to hurt you. Look, our Lord forgave his killers when he was dying, mm -hmm. when they succeeding to kill him. And he said, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He make excuse for them. So, and that grace came to me when I was sitting in the bathroom too, when they were still looking for me. But what I realized was when you forgive, it's you. It's you who have just dealt with you. This is where that bitterness is gone. And then you pray for that person for whatever they need. Either you need to take yourself away so that you protect yourself from what is, you know, maybe somebody's still going to hurt you, or mm -hmm. you gain the wisdom to know how to deal with it, but without being attached to the actions they do. Because the actions are theirs. But you forgive and also pray for the wisdom to know how to behave in a situation, yeah. especially what she's going through. Yeah, uh, Patricia, I, I think that, that, that's right. I, I would add this. If you find out that she is lying, you have good evidence that she is lying, then you need, you, you can forgive her for being a liar, but you also have an, a moral obligation to your son to let him know the truth that if you can refute her lies to protect your son from what could end up an abusive situation, you ought to tell him the truth. And, you know, apparently it, it sounds like this is the, the certain people, you have to check everything they say as they're lying. Just like you protected yourself by hiding yes. in the bathroom. Yeah. And this friend of your family hid you and these other women. Mm -hmm. And that's very important. God bless him for doing that yeah. and the risk he was taking. Yeah. Yeah. But you also have to be there to say, uh, sweetheart, you're not telling the truth. And the truth is this. Our Lord identifies himself as the truth. You have, should have no difficulty morally in saying what is the fact and letting her know, but at the same time, so that you don't become bitter at her. Whatever reason she's lying, you don't need to become bitter and let your anger at her get you upset and, and destroy you, but you do have an obligation to tell your son the truth, mm -hmm. to protect him. He sounds like, you know, with, after a stroke, he's got difficulties to deal with. Help him out and be vigilant. But at the same time, you say, okay, 
uh, even if it doesn't change her at this point, I need to make sure that I forgive. As um, I remember one, one saying by the rabbis, uh, they were talking about how Lot uh, was preaching to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this kid points out, you've been preaching for 20 years. Nobody listens to you. They'll never become like you. And Lot responded, I don't keep preaching so that they become like me. I keep preaching so I don't become like them. We also keep forgiving. Maybe they won't be like us, but by forgiving, I don't become like them. I don't let my enemies destroy, uh, define me and then end up destroying me. That's very key. We have a question from our studio. Ma'am, where are you from? I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, good to have you here in our audience. Thank you and so And what much. can we do for you this fine Yes, day? this is a personal question for Immaculate. Um, I'm assuming her family was devout when she was younger. And uh, how did that faith that she had in her youth, how did that help her overcome and forgive after the genocide was over? Very good question. Thank you. Well, in my family, we grew up Catholic. You are right. We were devout. And I still don't remember one night in my family we ever went to sleep without praying together as a family. So, however, I feel that I truly became a friend of God. I built a relationship with God when I was hiding. That's, I still remember a moment I asked God, are you there? Okay, I grew up praying. I went to church, but do you really, can you hear me in this time, in this place, in this situation. And that when I, I was asking God, if you can hear me, don't let the killers find the door of the bathroom. And when I saw that, I remember telling God, I don't care if anybody falls away from you, I will seek you all my life. So it was a relationship. Yes, I was, it was my parents who truly introduced me to my faith, and I'm so grateful for that. When I was separating, my, my dad gave me a rosary. That was the last gift he, he gave me. So that really became my pillar. That what became my, my rock. So it was their faith that helped me to keep growing in mine, but also had to make that relationship with God and make that promise and say, I'm going to follow you, no matter what happened. And it had been everything, yeah. We have another caller. We have Helen also from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Helen, what can we do for you tonight? I just want to make a compliment uh, to Immaculate and to, and to you too, Father Mitch. I see you all the time. Thank you. Um, Immaculate, you are touching many hearts and souls, and they are in turn in accord with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Helen. you, Helen. Yeah, yeah God bless we appreciate you. that. Yeah, pray for us. I'm, I'm glad that someone who's already seen this That's series right. has yeah. been able to recognize the great work that mm -hmm. you've done. Thank you. We have uh, another question from our studio audience. Ma'am, where are you from? I'm from Northern Illinois. Good to have you here. Good to be here. And what can we do for you? Uh, my question might be similar to the first caller, but about um, how do you forgive somebody who 
continues to hurt you over and over again. It's not just one time you have to forgive them for something. Mm -hmm. And I know 70 times seven, but like they continue to hurt you. Or if you think, oh, you can reach out and then they hurt you again. And so you're kind of afraid to reach out and continuing to pray for them. But what else can you do for like yourself and for mm -hmm. that person, like you mentioned earlier, I guess. Yeah. Um, thank you, beautiful question. You know, yeah, when you are, you, you are called to forgive, there is always, there's this life that come to us and I went through this. If I forgive them, then this is what I used to ask myself, then they're right, I'm wrong. So if I forgive them, that means we're going to become friends again, and then they can kill me. So you see, I can't forgive them. There was a lot of confusion. What does that forgiveness mean for me? So forgiveness, it came to me again, is me who decide with the grace of God to forgive that person and pray for them and wish them good. I bless them and pray for them, especially for them to change because if somebody's doing wrong, they are risking for their souls to be lost. So a part of praying for them was to pray for them to change, to see truth, to have faith. So I would tell somebody, reconciliation is one thing and forgiveness is one thing. And to be able to reconcile is to have the other person also acknowledge, even want that relationship to be. But forgiveness is always something we need to do because that's what God asks us to do. But after that, now it is asking the wisdom from the Holy Spirit, asking for a counseling. How can I deal with that person given what is going on? Because truth has to come first. If somebody is lying to you, maybe you need to love them from a distance, or maybe you need to love them knowing what they, who they are and what you can provide to show them love, but not to believe the lies they're telling you, or to invite them in your life to continue to hurt you. But you can still pray for them, our lady used to say something beautiful. She said one time, I remember Nikki Beho, she said, when you pray for people who hate you, you are robbing them the power to do wrong. So you are calling God to go to them and, and you are weakening the devil's influence to them. And that's what we do, but also we have to be vigilant to make sure, like you said, beautiful father, I was still hiding when I forgave them. And to this day, they know people I forgive and I pray for them, but I will not come close to them because if they get a chance, they will kill me. So, yeah. Another, I think, important part of that is forgiveness does not mean that you approve of the bad things they've done. You're not saying it's okay. That's, I think, another thing yes. that people fear. Yeah. Well, if I forgive them and my sin, then yes. they'll think that it's okay. You can not make it clear that it's, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. It's not. When people do that which is false, yes, ugly, and harmful, it's still ugly, harmful, and false. Yes. You, you don't, you, your forgiveness is rather saying, I am not going to hold on to a grudge but I'm not going to approve of their bad behavior yes. and I'm not going to accept their lies, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to let their lies or bad behavior transform me into badness. Yes. That's the key. And it, there's no way that you should approve of the wrong. Yes, and that's a very, very important element. Mm -hmm. 
We have uh, Diane in Michigan. Diane, what can we do for you tonight? Well, thank you for taking my call, Father Mitch. Actually, this is for you. And um, my question is short and sweet. How do I know that I have forgiven from my heart? First of all, I'm going to let Immaculate, I'll, I'll take that, but I want Immaculate to give your reflection first. The way I know I have forgiven is when I think about that person and I don't feel that fume of anger that comes inside. And there's many times I, I was scared because I thought, oh, I might be dying, so let me forgive them. And I would say to God, okay, fine, I forgive them because I need you. Then five minutes later, the anger comes up. I can see how they can do that. And that's when I started to say, okay, I can watch myself almost like a, a person, a part of me. You're still angry. You need to keep praying. Yeah. And when I was able to forgive, I truly saw them as blind children who are hurting themselves and hurting other people. It's like a mad person who can put a fire on a house and then kill people. So you, can, you, you won't be angry at them, but you will suffer from what the damage they have caused. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to think of that person, not to have your chest tight and to, to think of the wrong one, two, three they have done, you, you are there. I couldn't agree more that there, you know, as, as you also, uh, I, I've been recently reading uh, a, a book about uh, some of the Germans who survived the war, uh, World War II, and how, you know, the, there was such a strong temptation to blame everybody, everybody blaming each other for the suffering and the losing the war and all that. And I think the way that you can tell that there's forgiveness is not only do you stop having this feeling of anger and such. Um, again, doesn't mean that you let down your guard. No, no. You know, you don't, again, you say, I forgive you, and then you run out to them. No, uh, that would have been a big mistake for you to say, I forgive you, I'm at peace, and I'll, let me go embrace you. You can't do that with people who are bent on being murderous yes. or lying or whatever they're mm. doing. But I'm at peace, and another good sign is when that person does seek forgiveness, they, mm -hmm. at least even in the beginning of it, mm -hmm. and they ask and they realize what they've done is wrong, and you are happy and at peace mm -hmm. that they are experiencing conversion and that they're changing. Yes. That is also a good Come sign on. that you, when you're happy about their conversion and you don't want them to wallow in it, that's a sign of your own healing as well. We have another question from our studio audience. Ma'am, where are you from? We're from Charlotte, North Carolina. Good to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Father. And your question? Um, what about a situation <clears throat> where you're seeking uh, reconciliation with the person that's hurt you, and uh, yet they um, seem to be in denial that it ever happened? Mm -hmm. And... Um, so at what point, um, I guess after you've brought it up a couple times and you see that it's pointless and you just let go of it, but you yearn to have that um, time of saying, it's okay, I forgive you, 
Mm -hmm. um, at what point, what, what else can you do? Oh, so when somebody, I didn't So, in other words, she, she's talking about a situation where mm -hmm. you bring up to a person, this is how you hurt me, mm. and they deny it. Mm -hmm. oh. And they say, I didn't do anything. Yes. And you want to have the reconciliation, but they won't even admit that there was a problem. How do you deal with that? Mm. That's why I would really encourage people to pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary or the Sorrowful Mysteries, meditating mm -hmm. on the pain our Lord have gone through. Because it was then I was able to understand that everything I'm dealing with, our Lord have gone through that. Our Lady have gone through that, through their sorrow. When Jesus, were, they were going to crucify him, they were not acknowledging, oh, we are hurting you. He loved them. He forgave them. He wished them to stop, but they're doing what they're doing. So you can't control other people's actions, except that you can only pray for them and hope that them too, they can change. But what you forgive, it is in your heart. Their actions are theirs. Another thing I've really come to understand, our dear mother Mary especially have explained to us in the Kibeho, is that this world, there is suffering we are going to endure no matter what. Everyone is carrying a cross. Everyone go through some suffering. And some suffering is like that. When somebody misunderstands you, and you wish to explain to them, but they won't hear you. You wish to forgive them so you can have a good relationship, they won't give it to you. And all that, it's just to accept it as a cross. And then do your part, do it well, forgive them. If they don't want that relationship, or to acknowledge they have hurt you, leave it between you and God and ask him to bring the light in that situation. Yeah, you can, you know, again, be with Christ when he's mm -hmm. hanging on the cross yeah. and they're mocking him. They're making fun of him that he is on the cross. He said he's the son of God. Come on, get off the cross if you are. And this was the suffering he went through for our salvation. When we get to that kind of point where they just cannot refuse, they refuse to change, uh, come up with lies like the priests did. They said, lie to Pontius Pilate about the body being resurrected. We'll, we'll give you a bribe, you'll be okay. You know, what you do, you say, okay, Lord, there's nothing else I can do. I give this pain to you and I put it on your cross, especially at mass. That's my offering and I trust that you'll use that for the salvation of their souls and the souls of others. I'm afraid that we've run out of time. Again, I want to encourage all of you to watch this wonderful series, a powerful, powerful series. I forgive with, and it's with our guest, Immaculate Bagiza. It's at, uh, go to EWTN On Demand by going to ondemand.ewtn.com. You can also go to immaculate.com and find out more about her work. Thank you so much for doing this and for being with us. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can bring you Immaculate because you bring us this network by keeping us in between your gas bill, electric bill, and cable bill. God bless you for your support. We'll keep bringing more programs like this. Thank you.